Excerpt from an interview with Private Gersev Al-Khatib, Frontier Wall Guard, Sector 3. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen, I'll tell you that much. At first I thought, maybe it was just the usual heat shimmer. But then I remembered it was nighttime. And then I thought, hey, maybe it's a weird reflection from the moons. You know, reflecting off something on the ground. Maybe a real big lizard or some stones. It was, well, it was beautiful in a way. But the way it shined right up into the sky, and with so many colors. Beautiful, yeah, but terrifying. I've never seen anything like it, like I said. But then it started moving. So I got over to the Farseer station to get a closer look, and I kid you not, it looked like someone's chicken dinner grew two stories tall and flew into the sky. It disappeared so quickly, but the darned thing came back again a little while later, right before I went off duty. What? What's that? No, I haven't been eating any mushrooms. I've been on duty. This all happened, I swear by Gov's heart. Ask Private Dollywall if you don't believe me. So, welcome to Splinters of a Broken Sun. This is an actual play podcast featuring the Fate Core system. I'm Matt, your Master of Ceremonies, here on the podcast. And let's introduce the cast who are with us today. We're split up a little bit. So, uh, who's with us today, playing whom? Hi, everyone. I guess I'm going first today. My name is Keekers. You can find me on Twitter, at ViaSpaceCat. I don't know exactly who I'm playing today because Keva is not with Maeve and Emran. But I normally play your lovely writer in the blue team, T-E-A-M, parent, Keva Jarma. It's good to qualify and clarify that in case people get the wrong idea. All right, for other two lovely cast members. I'm OG Brown Sugar, and I play Maeve Sentis, normally Mother of Spiders and Heart of the Swarm. Uh, but today, I'm playing the Plague Bearer, Chosen of Nurgle, as I get over this respiratory infection. Sounds like you're having a lot of fun. I'm enthused. Excellent. And finally, last but not least... Howdy, everyone. My name is Michael Blood, and I play Emran Puck on Splinters of a Broken Sun. You can find me on Twitter at GoodSirBlood, if you'd like. And um, I'm looking forward to us completely demolishing the Church of Gov within an hour. You never know what we'll be able to accomplish with the power of friendship on our side. So when last we left off, uh, for this side of the game at least, you had been split up. Unfortunately, there was a series of unfortunate events that led to Maeve and Emran not being able to reunite with Keva and Zonin. Keva and Zonin, of course, are on the uh, big metal chicken ship. Then they are flying back into the war zone at the Oasis. Meanwhile, Emran was heavily wounded, and presumably is still heavily wounded, in his battle with an auditor after taking down several uh, soldiers in the army of the executive, not the executive, the evangelical order. Uh, Maeve and Emran escaped from the uh, oasis with the help of Mandukayal Armuti, whose joy is the fire, whose uh, seemingly superhuman powers led to her flying Emran and Maeve back to the borehole where they originally escaped from the underground mall. Uh, in addition to that, Keva and Zonin dropped off the uh, 50 children. Was it 50? Was it 50 kids or 25? It was 50. The 50 kids 50. and uh, a number of, a couple of adults and four goats that they were able to extract from the oasis and fit into the damaged metal chicken ship. And those people have come down to the bottom of the borehole where Mandukai and Emrin are severely wounded. Maeve is doing all right, but 
probably a little bit stressed, and the rest of them are kind of baffled by walking into this underground mall, which is unlike anything most of them have ever seen in their lives. Mandukai is bleeding badly. Emrin, you have been beaten and bloodied and probably broken in a few places as well. What are you doing? If I remember correctly, Emrin is actually at the mouth of the borehole watching the ship fly away. Absolutely. Uh, so you you would be able to see at least the lights from the ship as it left. Uh, the borehole is fairly long, but uh, you would be able to see the lights shining up at the end of it. And uh, I, I won't be able to uh, reach it before it takes off. No, it has left already. You made a valiant effort, but your injuries were too great to allow you to get your way up that borehole in time. So um, as as the last of the uh, the refugees file into the, the underground mall, Emran just kind of falls to his falls to one knee, his, his wounds really taking a, a toll on him at, at last. The children look concerned and scared. Some are crying. Others are trying to comfort the other kids. There's a wide range of ages here from about five up to uh, 14 would be the oldest one. So no babes in arms? No, they wouldn't have kept babies at the Oasis. Uh, babies are easier to infiltrate into, you know, uh, regular homesteads. To know, I think. So, uh, Kikers, uh, if, you, if you'd like, you yeah. can play the role today of Jasta Hong, whose heart builds futures, a uh, teacher and childcare specialist who was working at the Oasis and watching these children. She's one of the adults who's come along to take care of them and sort of uh, keep so, them calm. So, like, Keva's future, like, wish, like, dream job. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Jasta Hong is in her mid-30s. She's uh, obviously a heretic and a member of the Rebel of Veliko, and she's uh, originally was a teacher. That was her job back in church society, and it seems to be something she's continued today. Okay. Got it. So you have come down this borehole into this uh, strange and wondrous environment. You see Emrin, who you've probably glanced uh, in passing. He looks heavily wounded. You see Maeve Sentis, who you may have seen once or twice at the Oasis. And of course, you see the leader of your faction, Mandukai, uh, lying on the ground, seemingly about to bleed out, though, uh, as I recall, Maeve, you had begun to stabilize her. Yes. Default voice here, I guess. Um, okay, kids, I'm going to need you to line up here, um, on the side, give Mandakai some air, um, and she's going to go ahead and, like, start lining them up into, like, their groups. I imagine that they kind of have, like, classes of a sense at, at the, back at the Oasis, so, like, here's group A, here's group B, or... Well, group one, group two, group kind of more arranged by age. Okay. Uh, the children are, they're sort of comforted by this routine and they start picking their way around the rubble and the debris that was left over from the machine exploding when it uh, drilled this hole and trying to get into groups. Some of them are sitting on bits of debris and rubble. Others are standing around, but they're they are getting into their groups. And Zasta's going to make sure with like coordination with the other adults that are with her, that the older kids are closer to the injured people because they'll be able to deal with that so that they're kind of like blocking the younger kids. Okay. Kind of, you know. Yeah, so they're they're sort of making a bit of a cordon to close off their view of uh, Mandukai and uh, Maeve. Emrin is 
you're you're still on your knees by the uh, mouth of the hole, I assume. At, at this point, Emron will actually rise and with his uh, somewhat darkened vision, will try and wander over to where he last remembers Maeve and Mandakai being. Okay. You see them uh, over there on the ground, and what is Maeve doing with Mandakai, who's looking uh, weak and drawn, but is still mostly conscious? Right now, still just tearing at cloth, trying to make uh, makeshift tourniquets to stop the bleeding. Okay. Uh, just want to do a quick reminder, Emran, you still have... Uh, I'm not sure exactly how it's attached to you, but Zonin turned that blood tube into sort of a tether for you. You would still have that. That's true. Just a note. Uh, so Mandakai is sort of... It looks almost like she's trying to push your hands away, Maeve, and she's like, oh, please, wait, wait. What is it? There's a... There's a note that we intercepted. There was a hunt for you six weeks ago. We intercepted the report. It's in... She's sort of gesturing. Her fingers don't seem to be working properly. She's she's fading fast, but she's gesturing towards uh, one of the pockets in her robes. I'll find the note and just pocket it for the moment. Okay. Uh, Mandukai is, appears to be pretty much out. Not, like, dead, but uh, on her way there and unconscious. Maeve. Yes, Emran, how are you? Not spectacular, but doing better than Mandukai. Listen, I, I still have the uh, transfusion tube from Zonin and, and Keva. If she needs blood, I, I don't have a lot of it, but... Would we have any way of knowing whose blood might be compatible? No, but you could... Well, actually, you might have something in your kit. That sounds like something in... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> Herbalist? No. What's your job? Apothecary? That's the man. one. <laughs> something in apothecary would uh, would have, maybe have like some type of herbal pH strip. I don't know. Yeah, they sell like little kits online. I bought one once uh, where you put a little bit of blood on each little dot and then it will kind of like a pregnancy test or something else. It will like do the little like change or whatever, like it clots or doesn't clot a certain way if it's that type. Yeah, so you would have the ability, I think, to figure that out. Okay, as I'm tying the tourniquets, I'll take a sample from Mandukai, and then I'll call over uh, whatever adult is nearest to me. Okay. We'll say that's Jasta. Yeah, uh, hi. Um, you're one of the people that came to the Oasis. Look, um, what do you need? Find me the healthiest people that aren't children, obviously, and bring them here. Well, okay, we don't have many people to spare, you know, they have to take care of the kids, but I'm sure anyone would be willing to give Mandikai blood. So then Zasta kind of, like, goes round, rounding people up, you know, who know their blood types or what have you, to say, we need, we need to, Mandikai's over there and she needs blood. Does anyone else want to volunteer, you know, let's try to get one person per blood type if we know our blood types, you know, that sort of thing. Every single person and almost all of the children start standing up when they hear this. <gasps> okay, we can help. We can help. No, not you kids. Not one through five. You guys are too little. But... The, the um, adults are they are also sort of like discouraging the children from doing this. They're saying, okay, let's, don't don't worry, Jasta. We'll, we'll take turns checking uh, if we're a match. 
and they, they sort of start lining up and, and organizing the kids as well to take shifts. And some of them start going over to see Maeve. You, you needed blood? Indeed I do. Take a seat. And they sit down. You can sort of start checking through them. Emran, what are you doing during this time? I think Emran is, um, he's, he just keeps peering back up to the mouth of the cave, assuming that they, the EO is going to find them immediately. It's a, certainly a concern, something to be worried about. Uh, it's conceivable that you could, you could check, but it would require you to climb up there, and that would take a long time, especially in your condition. But there might be other ways for you to do that. Hmm. Something to think about. So, Maeve, you are uh, taking samples, I guess you're pricking thumbs, and uh, checking with your little kit. Uh, the adults that are coming to you, they have a wide variety of blood types. Uh, none of them seem to be an exact match for what you're getting out of Mandukai. There's something about her blood that just, it's not matching any of the types that you have on your little chart there. I'd imagine it's probably due to the sun splinter, but am I able to find someone that's close enough? Well, there's also two people here you haven't yet checked that have also been exposed to splinters. I'll check myself. Okay. Uh, you prick your own thumb and you put it through your little uh, kit, and you see that it's not exactly the same, but it appears to be a close match to the blood that you get are checking from Mandukai. If you check Emerin's blood, it's not as close of a match, but it, you know, you could maybe gamble on that. He's not in great shape himself. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, if you just tell me how to put the tubes in, I can help. Yeah, no, I think I think I'll go for it then, and I will be the um. I'll give her the transfusion. All right. You get that set up. Uh, you don't need to roll for this because you are an apothecary. We'll just assume you can do this. And you're not in immediate danger that you're aware of. So you start uh, setting up. You know, you tie off the bands. You insert the needles. Uh, you have to get a new needle out of your kit because they've been taken out of, obviously, the one that uh, was turned into a tether. But it's probably good to use a fresh one anyway. Uh, you're able to get it into Mandukai's veins. Uh, her veins are uh, fairly easy to find, so you're you're able to hook into there. Oh, so we know she isn't doing intravenous drugs. <laughs> no, certainly not. So this uh, begins, I guess you, you put yourself at a bit of an elevation so that the blood can begin flowing into Mandukai, uh, and the bleeding you already sort of stopped, but now there is more going in to sort of help stabilize and perhaps bring her back to health. It's going to take some time, though, as you know. What would you like to do during this time? I think the first thing I want to do is I want to reach out to the bugs outside and see if I can disperse them to make sort of a warning system outside of the entrance to the hole. Okay. Uh, so you need to make your will roll, and we're going to have to make a good roll for this, as the situation you're in is not ideal for this kind of work. That went pretty well, I'd say. Uh, you got an 8 on your will roll, which is considerably higher than good. So not only are you able to get the bugs uh, dispersed into an early warning system, but you're also able to feel the sort of even smaller bugs like gnats that are flying around in the upper air. And you can sort of, with them, see, sense in the far distance, you can see the lights from the big metal chicken ship off in the distance. Uh, so the bugs that you have here, you're able to see still to the uh, to the east where the oasis was. You can see fires uh, in the in the very far distance, of course. And you're not able to see in the darkness any other 
detachments arriving yet, but you have them spread out in such a way that you'll be able to have at least uh, an hour's warning if the uh, army does come this way. The only other thing I want to do, and I don't know how many bugs I can micromanage effectively, but if there were any ants or larger bugs that could carry something heavy or something very heavy in groups, I was going to see if I could have some of them uh, drag skulls up from their, from the initial room we walked in from and just kind of scatter them in the tunnel. At least if anyone tries to go through that way, a tunnel full of skulls will at least make them count to three and catch their breath. Oh, so that's... Oh, you're sacrificing skulls. Your skulls for us. <laughs> it's very sweet. Uh, they would have a tough time with that. Like there aren't enough ant colonies down here. Plus, you're already fairly spread thin with your early warning system up on the surface. So it, you could maybe still put that plan into action, but you won't be able to get ants to do it for you. There are people around who could maybe help, but they would have to. I mean, the, those skulls are back through the obstacle course you had to come through to get up here in the first place. Oh, that's right. I will put that on hold for the moment. Plus, uh, as you may recall, there was a loud crashing sound that you heard as you were exiting the mall after you set off the uh, device. So we don't know what things look like down there, but probably not the same as when you came through. Emron is going to take a look through the, the wreckage of the essentially mining laser that we mm -hmm. used to see if there's anything serviceable enough to try and make a, a makeshift barrier around the mouth. Okay. Uh, show me your crafts. I'm going to show you my moves. Yeah, your craft moves. I like the way you move. Four? Four is pretty good. All right, so as you are digging through, you find some components that you recognize as, as useful, stuff that you've seen in your studies back in the hub. And some of those you can probably keep away, you know, sort of pack away for later use. They might be useful to you back in hub. The other parts, there are still some fairly large metal um, panels that you could use to start building a barricade. In addition to that, there's all the stone and uh, mortar and so on rubble that fell out of the, uh, the sky and from the arcs and so on in here that you could start uh, moving over there, perhaps with some help. As Cameron is hefting uh, one of the larger bits of mortar. He says, uh, uh, you there, with the swooping hair? Yes, what is it? Do you think, he he, he sets down the, the cinder block. Are you, you think sure I could get some help? Uh, yeah, sure, but are you sure you should be working right now? You look pretty injured. I've bled more than this before. And he picks it back up and walks towards um, the barrier he started erecting. So, I guess... Sasta like figures, well, this is something the older kids can do. And so she like picks group four and five and you know, it was kinda like, We're gonna build Okay everyone, how about we help this guy out and build a wall here, make it look kind of less open? And the older kids sort of nod at you, They're like, Yeah, okay, we we know how to barricade is, we can help and they start uh, you know, they're teens, so they're sassy, but they start uh, in groups lifting up rubble and, and starting to bring it up into the uh, mouth of the uh, borehole there and helping out with Emran's efforts. Yeah, I'm trying to make Sasta not sound like Keva, but I'm kind of having a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that if they, I hope they meet each other and hang out, they are going to have a lot in common. It certainly seems that way. 
We should leave some semblance of a doorway in case the others manage to get back. Don't worry, I've thought of that. And he grabs one of the the bits of the, uh, like the chassis of the mining laser and just dumps it on top. Okay. It's starting to look pretty uh, well filled in. It's, it's going to take, you know, maybe an hour or so to build a good barricade here, but you're well on your way. Uh, Mandakai is still out, but uh, you notice that she is beginning to look better. I'll keep transfusing until I feel like she's stable enough to get along without it, not necessarily trying to bring her back to consciousness. Okay. Uh, do you want to check out that note, or are we just going to leave that? Oh yeah, no, I'll read it now. Okay, just checking. Uh, so you you open up the report, and you can start reading through it. Uh, you can see that there is um, a lot of information in it. It appears to be a full report of the hunt's attempts to track you down. There are a number of details in it that would probably be concerning or upsetting for you. I'm just going to link this to you in the in the Discord there once I find it, because I appear to have lost it, but don't worry about that. There it is. Now this has some spoilers from the, uh, the side story that you won't have heard yet, but I'm just going to put it in there for you. Oh good, it's too long. I hope River Song doesn't like show up and like slap us in the face like, or something like, spoilers! I'll put it in chunks. Uh, so the first thing that'll jump out to you is the name Carla Alwong. You obviously would remember her as one of the rival youths who was attempting to get to the splinter as well. She was the baker. The one that I think I decked. Probably. Okay, that's the full report that you've got there. I'm not going to read it all. Uh, obviously, it would be spoilers for the audience at home, too. But there is some information in there that uh, may be useful to Maeve in this particular situation, which is probably why Mandakai wanted you to have it. And a bit of information that's uh, that would send Emrin into a blood frenzy. Yeah, if, if he were to read it, definitely. Thank goodness he cannot read. <laughs> you could probably, right probably read, but uh, he's busy at the moment. In the immortal words of Officer Barb Brady, jokes on you, I can't read. <laughs> oh man, if Keva was here, she'd be like, what the heck? Ram? Ramulus? What a stupid name. Don't be mean to Ramulus. He's a good boy. No, I'm not saying he's not a good boy. She would just be critical of that name. Did he have a twin brother, and were they sired by a she-wolf? It's entirely possible. There are probably, I mean, there are other seekers out there, and they might have, they might have uh, large wolf companions who are good friends with this ram. Though so we were talking about... Uh... I know, Remus. No, I was joking. I was talking about, we were talking about if they ever found us, the ram... Or if they find us, the Ram, you know, and Jolly right. hanging out. Being BFFs. Yeah, I actually started researching more about uh, those hybrids. Apparently, if it's a female goat and a male uh, Ram, it's more viable. <laughs> All right. Well, next time on Splinters of Broken Sun, hybrids. <laughs> hey, I mean... I, I imagine, for some reason, you know, we're in a dystopian or alternate world. I mean, that stuff is totally all over, like, uh, what is it? The Catching Fire and Mockingjay mm -hmm. and The Hunger Games. And then um, the book that I've talked about before, 
the wind-up girl, and then, um, I mean, I guess this doesn't count, but Avatar The Last Airbender. They do like their hybrid animals. Uh, Maeve, so the fourth paragraph uh, should be of most interest to Maeve in this particular situation. And uh, I don't know if you want to leap to a conclusion yourself that you think Maeve would reach, or if you want to roll and I can help you out with it. I think I'll roll for it. Okay. So let's see what that would be. Your skills. I would say that's probably investigate. Mm. Yeah, I think investigate. Okay. So you get the idea. You've rolled a. You've rolled a two there. Investigate. You get the idea that that paste. Oh, sorry. I should say um, smearing a rust-colored paste onto their faces. Uh, you get the idea that that paste may have been some type of preserved blood that, according to this report, Lean and Esme smeared on their face before they were able to sink into the shrine and disappear. Obviously, you would recognize sinking into the shrine as being accessing the transportation system of the hub. So my Lion King theory was not that far off. It seems like it might be viable based on this report. The question is, can you trust this report? And was there any other factors at play? I mean, all this would be going through Maeve's mind, obviously, but it's a, it's a glimmer of hope especially if uh, you have to move in a hurry. I just imagine like that Lean was taking like blood when she was taking blood from Keva being like, oh yeah, I need this for this kid. But really like a quart of it or whatever was just like, well, not a quart, but you know, a large amount of it was actually just her being like, I'm just going to keep this for later. It does sound like Lean. Well, not that voice, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like her, something she would do. And spoilers, it definitely was. She was definitely harvesting blood from the four of you to use oh in experiments. Gosh. I would expect nothing less from our mad scientist, Mama. All right, so we'll say it's been about an hour, and you've been able to get the barricade up, and it looks decent. You know it wouldn't stand up to an auditor, but if it's not an auditor that comes, uh, it would certainly be able to hold off uh, attackers for a little while. Amron is uh, going to go walk back to the debris pile and see if he can find anything serviceable as a, a pike or an, a polearm he could use from behind the rank of the wall. or And if he could find one, maybe he could find others. There's uh, some, like, uh, some rebar, basically, that you could maybe, uh, if you can cut through it somehow or rip it out of the wall, you could maybe use it for that purpose. Other than that, around here, there's not much else that you could use. That shouldn't be too gotcha. hard for our strong boy. And then he collapses the entire second floor onto the heads of everyone here. Whoops. That's about my run of the mill. I, I just I show up, turn things on, and then things explode. <laughs> Not the worst sequence of events. Always push the big red button. I sure did. I sure did, brown sugar. So Mandakai looks like she's still going to require uh, transfusing for a while. She lost a lot of blood. You sort of theorize that maybe entering that state that you saw her in when she was fighting the auditors uh, might also take a toll on her. So she appears to still need time to recover uh, as well as blood. But uh, it might be a good idea to start moving because you don't know how long it's going to take you to get down to the transportation system. If we need it, I can carry her. You've also got four goats here. The goats can carry her. Goat Garney. That's a good that's an idea. You could probably try and whip one together. Emran sets to finding a bit of cloth in any clothing stores that he sees nearby. Uh, people, like there are no stores up here. This is the top area. 
you'd have to get further down to get to the stores. But uh, people immediately offer like their cloaks and layers of clothing and stuff once they realize what you're trying to do. And some of the younger ones who are more uh, inclined to the building stuff uh, come to help you out as well. Awesome. Emran would immediately try and fabricate a gurney that could be supported safely by the goats. Okay. I'm not going to make you roll for that because this is the kind of thing that you are trained for as a blacksmith. You know how to put stuff together, and you've got help from these kids, some of whom were presumably apprentices in uh, related skills, and some of the adults definitely will have trained and stuff like that too. So uh, between the group of you, you're able to make a solid gurney and hitch it up to the goats using cloth, the materials you find around here. Uh, You use a bit of the machine that was too small for the barricade, but is just large enough for Mandukai, and uh, that can form the basis of your gurney as well. It's looking pretty good. Do you think it'll be safe to move her? Should be. Well, that's going on. Um, I want to see if I could have some of the bugs still in the mall just kind of make their way down to the, the teleporter room, see if I can like see through their eyes and try to chart some kind of a safe course down. Okay. Now, to do that, you'd have to release your early warning system on the surface. Do you want to do that? Uh, no, I'll keep the warning system, and I think we'll just... Yeah, we'll start moving down. Okay. Uh, So you head down the stairs that you recall, and you see at the bottom where the dogs were, uh, they've gone off somewhere, they've left. This area appears to be pretty heavily damaged, but it is just uh, secure enough for you to make your way through it and over to the next stairwell that will take you down to the uh, the third level. So am I right in thinking that you guys made a goat travoise? That's exactly what we did. So next to all of the stairs, there is also a series of sort of ramps. So anytime there are stairs, there's also ramps, uh, sort of an equal size. It's easy enough to get the, uh, the travois down, and the goats are being kept in order by some of the kids who are good with the animals. And the uh, rest of you are sort of, uh, what's, your, what's your order here? Emrid would be first, and I assume probably flanked by, the, by Maeve and Mandakai and the goats in case they slip forward. Okay. I would imagine like some of the kids or and other people are on either side of the goats but then like behind the goats are the really younger kids and more of the adults and then behind these lines of kids are like two more adults yeah so you've got the the younger kids like the youngest kids you have them they're like all holding on to a rope and it's tied to their belts and stuff and you know so they're all like everybody hold on to the rope uh, exactly the older kids Buddy are just, system. Yeah, the older kids are just walking together, uh, those who aren't helping with the goats. All right, so you're, you're making your way through this ruined mall, and you find, again, that the problem is that it was built more for aesthetics than for surviving uh, centuries under the weight of tons of rubble. So the stairs are looking in bad shape again that would lead you down. The stairs slash ramps are looking in bad shape again, the ones that would lead you down to the next level. And uh, you may recall this is where you had to chop through the uh, the foliage before the foliage and the fungus wall when you first came here, like yesterday. I know it seems longer than that, but it was yesterday for your characters. Uh, God, we really uh, know how to mess things up, though. <laughs> <laughs> a lot has happened. Uh, so you do see that there is still the remnants of that uh, plant-based danger, but you were able to clear it out on your way up the issue now is getting back down to the next level getting over it ha 
yeah, getting over the big empty space, sort of the drop. There may be other ways around. You'd have to scout that out and take a look around it, or you might be able to rig something up. Uh, you know, it's there's uh, the top of the stairwell, and then it breaks, and there's the bottom of the stairwell and the level below. Underneath it, you can see that there is another stairwell, but it's like uh, quite a ways down, at least 15, maybe 20 meters. So the drop would be survivable, you think, for Emrin if he were at full health, but uh, not necessarily for this whole group. I'll take a second to um, look around and see if I can find any other viable way of getting down. Okay. I'll help out. All right, so roll your, your notice, and uh, you can add a plus one for your help with Emrin. Okay, so you've rolled a six on your notice, which is very good. Uh, you see that there is, you recognize something like the traveling box that's in the hub that hub mentioned to you was called an elevator. You see that there is an elevator and it's currently just a sort of a shaft that goes down. You don't see like the car that would lift you up and down in it, but uh, you see that there is this shaft that goes straight up and down to the bottom floor and then up to the top floor where you are. Is the cable still there? You look inside and you see that there is a very thick looking cable type rope going down the middle of it, uh, along with another one on the other side. It doesn't look exactly like a modern day elevator because it's different technology, but it does have a cable in it. Are there maintenance um, like hand ladders? Yes. Well, that would be arduous, but not impossible. Hmm. Could Emran conceivably Say he took a few hours, perhaps, uh, rig a pulley system that he could lower Mandukai with, Mandukai and uh, Maeve with, and then could everyone else safely climb down, provided there was no one with broken bones and whatnot? If you had a couple of hours, yes, but uh, Maeve, your early warning system just went off. We can always cliffs of insanity it. Emran, have you tried uh, touching any of these cables or the elevator or anything around here? I'd like to give them my special touch, see if I can see things. The cable is made of the uh, of the SGM there, and you can sort of when you touch it, you can you can immediately tell that's what it's made from. If you want to take a look at what it's connected to and all that stuff, you need to make your usual will roll. Well, okay, Emron's gonna take a second and try and focus through it. Okay, I'd like to burn a fade point to re-roll that negative one. Okay, and it's a new session, so you all have your your whatever your current refresh of fade points is, so probably three. Yeah, so what uh, skill do you want to use here? What aspect do you want to use? I think the aspect that I'm going to invoke is I see through the shells of my dead gods. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, give it a shot. Three. That's considerably better. You are able to move your sight down through the cable, and up at the top you see that there is indeed a pulley that's intact. Uh, It's it's a high-tech pulley, but we'll just call it a pulley because that's what we in the audience will recognize it as. And down at the bottom, you can sense that it is attached to a large weight that uh, you can't quite make out, but you would guess is the elevator car. Hmm. Do I get the sense that it's not going to budge unless I can control the descent myself by separating the cable from the car? Well, you could... uh, Sorry, I had to cough there. You could try using the pulley to bring the car up and see if that works. Okay. I just had like a musical theater moment where I imagined the music from Les Mis um, when Valjean is being very strong. Dun, like the dun, 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 dun. You know that music. Yeah. So embold- yeah. emboldened by musical theater, Emron is going to um, lift the entire mall. 
<laughs> uh, perhaps not the mall, but you could maybe give it a try to lift up the uh, elevator car down at the bottom there. And that's uh, that's still going to be, in this case, uh, Will, to uh, bend the SGM to your will here. It's going to happen. I feel it. I believe in you. I just imagine that Emrain is kind of staring at this. You are able to... It, it's tough for you to do this. And, I mean, you're in rough shape. But you're able to sort of arduously pull the elevator car up and sort of uh, see the doors open when they arrive as if it were a mechanical thing. Uh, obviously, there's no electricity at the moment. But the doors open up or were already open. And uh, you can see that the car in there could probably hold about 15 people if you packed them in. So I imagine that like while he's staring at this, Zasta kind of comes up to Maeve a little bit and is like, Hi, El- what is he doing? Bending the metal. Oh god, I thought you barked. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the feral dog somewhere in the distance in the mall, chasing something. Sorry about that, I think it's the mailman. Chasing the mystical mailman. Told through the ages around non-existent dog campfires. I mean, we don't know what these dogs have been up to. Dogs are fully sentient, I'm convinced of it. So Maeve, uh, up on the surface, your bugs have sensed someone crossing your uh, threshold that you've set up. And that gives about an hour until whatever this is reaches the borehole uh, or is able to come down to the bottom of the borehole, that is, assuming they're coming this way, which, from your system, uh, they appear to be. It's a large group. You would say about 20 to 30 people. That's more than I can stab. Am I able to make out anything more about them? Like, are they wearing armor or, like, are they information? There are heavy footfalls and there are wheels. I, like, so much of me wants it to be Keva and Zonin (laughs) with some more people that they saved. These are coming from north. Dang it. Are you keeping this to yourself, Maeve? For now. Okay. Does Emran get the elevator car up to our floor? Yeah, it's there. It's The doors are open. As you, as you saw, you, you would sort of guess maybe 15 people could go in there at a time. Uh, it's going to take a toll on you uh, to raise and lower and raise and lower this, though. I can I can get this down to the bottom floor maybe one, two times. Three would be pushing it. If it comes down to it, I can carry maybe one or two people down the ladder. We have to do this now, Maeve. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I think I'll take I mean, I'm tethered to Mandakai, so I think I'll go down with her and as many kids as we can cram in there. Okay. Yeah, Zasta and the other adults are going to, like, put in the youngest kids. Like, basically all the kids that aren't going to be able to climb down. Okay. So with the youngest kids in there and one or two adults, plus four goats, a Travois, Maeve, and Mandukai's unconscious body, you're able to get... Uh, We'll say you can get group one kids in there along with you. So you've got about 10 of the kids plus that other stuff. The kids don't take up as much space. It's uncomfortable, but uh, you're able to make it work. And Emrin, you can lower it down. It's uh, you can already feel yourself beginning to get too worn out from this. Like it's really exhausting in your, in your current state, but you're able to lower the car down to the bottom floor. And then the kids, the two adults that are there, and uh, Maeve and Mandukai and the goats get out. And we're just going to just sort of have this going. You can probably manage one more go without rolling, so it comes back up. Who are you loading on at this point? I, I assume the rest of the children, like, get as many of them down. And I assume 
there aren't a great deal of wounded. So if it comes down to a pinch, people can climb the ladder. Okay. So you get more of the young kids on there with, uh, you know, like an adult that's with them to keep them quiet. You lower it back down. How is this, how is this manifesting? How is this strain manifesting on Emran, on his uh, attitude, on his face, on how he's feeling? What does it look like when he's doing this? So Emran typically has a face of placidity until he's fighting, and then it's horrifying. But mm-hmm. what's happened is he, he's mainly, before building the, uh, the barrier, he, was, he, he had wiped blood off his face and a few of his cuts had like, started to close. He's a remarkably fast healer. He's already starting to feel better. Not, not great, but uh, the strain of this is actually like opened cuts on his face, and he's just actually looks like a visage of horror. He's like he's bleeding from his face. His eyes are going red. He's obviously got a nosebleed. You know, regular psychic stuff. Hmm. And every muscle in his body is taut, and he, he actually might be ripping his shirt. Yeah, why not? Just from the sheer strain of it. Doing a bit of hulking out there. Uh, this is yeah. scary for the kids. And for some of the adults as well. Yeah, Zasta has already taken two steps away from Emran. And the kid is like, Zasta, what's what's he doing? What's wrong with him? From what I can imagine, you know when Mandukai becomes the joy? Yeah? I think something similar. Oh. This doesn't look as pretty as Mandukai, though. Emran actually uh, smiles at that through the horrible pain. The smile quickly becomes a grimace. The kid takes another step back. So you get it gets to the bottom. More of the kids get out. There are now about thirty kids left. Plus there are probably I think there were ten adults total, so there are probably seven adults, including Jasta left, then you. It's possible that you could do another trip, maybe even two trips, but it's going to cost you some consequences to do so. As people come down, I'm just gonna shepherd them to the portal room. You start moving them through um the kids don't want to go anywhere right now because there are all those skeletons up at the top of those ramps. And uh, then there's, you know, the glass doors that you came through. It's uh, it's scary. Now, if we remember Zonin, or as they probably have now associated him as the hat guy, uh, told them that there would be scary decorations there. He did tell them that, but the kids now seeing it are like, yeah, those are definitely skeletons. Oh, no. Emran, what are you going to do? So Emran wiped the, the blood from his face so he can just see clearly, or as clear as he can. Actually, mm-hmm. hmm, I guess he wouldn't need to do that, actually. He probably does it anyway, out of habit. He says, I can get it up maybe one, two more times, but I think the rest of us are going to have to climb after it. Justa, is that going to be all right? Is there anyone who can't climb? Uh, Zasta kind of turns around and takes a mental inventory of who she thinks she can climb down in and who can't. And I don't know who can climb and who can't, but... Zasta would. So there are maybe about uh, five of the older kids who could manage it, you think. Uh, And of course, the remaining adults could do it. You know that you could. You're in good shape. Uh, You're not sure about this Emran guy, though. He looks pretty rough. According to my warning system, how close are they to the cave now? They're about 20 minutes. This how is many... a, a painstaking process that's happening down here in the elevator. How many flying bugs do I have at my disposal out there? Uh, you know, like hundreds. It's time to run interference on the play. All right, keeping with my theme, I want to see if I could get those flying ones to make a big 
like Wonder Twin Powered's form of a giant floating skull above the entrance. Okay. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, that's so metal. <laughs> so make your make your will roll. As this is happening, the elevator comes back up again. Emrin, you feel you feel two of your ribs break from the strain. You can feel that pain. Holy, holy business, Batman. Your muscles are straining so hard that they have sort of broken your own bones. Oh my god, that's the most diesel thing I've ever heard in my life. Jinkies. Okay. I- up at the top of the tunnel bore, a cloud of I will insects. Also... Yep. Sorry, I was going to spend a fate roll to re-roll that. Okay. Fate point, excuse me. All right, which one are you going to use? Uh, I think I will use the bond. Embran and I are forged by the blade, undone by the blade, because not only do I have to buy him time, but I also feel a little bit useless down there, since I'm Nagas with children. Hmm. Okay, go for it. Your, your concern for Emrin allows you to sort of push through the bugs, which are sort of gathering in a cloud, but you remember how important Emrin is to you as a, as a friend, as a comrade, and you're able to redouble your efforts, and the, the bugs form, the flying insects form into sort of the hovering shape of, uh, of an insect. And through that swarm, uh, you can see, you had to pull out of your uh, early warning system, but you can see approaching across the desert. There's about uh, 12 cavalry, and then there are about uh, 18 or so infantry and scouts, from what you can see, making their way here. And they sort of, uh, the one in the front puts up their hand, and they come to a halt, and they sort of are discussing amongst themselves. Some of them are looking concerned as they see this uh, apparition. So it looks like an insect or a skull? It's a skull made of insects. Now for flavor and I will definitely roll for this again if I have to. I don't know if they'd be light enough, but I wanted to like open the mouth and then just have them buzz as loud as possible. Yeah, you, you do that, and they make a, a loud buzzing noise, which causes the skull to sort of vibrate as well because they have to flap their wings harder to make louder buzzing. It looks sort of like a fuzzy picture on a screen, like it's doing that thing where it's the scan lines are going through it as the insects take their turns buzzing harder and harder to try and make this cacophony. You see some of the soldiers take steps back, but there are people in there as well that are uh, sort of trying to rally them and trying to keep them moving forward. You can see people opening and closing their mouths. The one in the front has turned away, but they are gesticulating emphatically, and it's, it's, starting, to, it's starting to work. So you've bought some time with this apparition, but uh, it doesn't look like it's going to scare the army away. It's just there's a bit of hesitation there. All right, I got an idea for my next go. All right, uh, the elevator is back at the top. Emrin, you are holding on, but uh, you take the consequence, uh, the minor consequence, broken ribs. Is uh, the snapping uh, of the ribs audible? Sure, why not? Oh, gosh. Like, Zasta totally, like, just looks at you like, uh... Ah! He just starts, he just screams, and then, like, muffles himself because he knows there's people at the mouth that might hear him. Or he does. He assumes, rather. You start loading more of the uh, more of the kids. We're at group four now, loading them in there, and one of the adults goes with them. We're down to, like, there's uh, so there. Let's see, there are thirty. So there are about fifteen kids left. Five of those can make the climb. Ten of them probably wouldn't make it. You're still gonna have to do one more go if you want to get them all down there in time. But the uh, elevator lowers down. You know, Emron's panting. It's it's very painful for him, but he's able to keep it up as he lowers them down to the bottom of the shaft. 
Are there any of the adults down there with me now? Or older children? Yeah, there's some of the adults are down here. Some of the kids are in the like 10, 11, 12 age range now. And they're sort of starting to, after their initial shock at seeing the, the field of skeletons and stuff, uh, they're sort of trying to marshal the younger kids and, and singing songs with them, trying to distract them from the horror that surrounds them so that they can get them where you're trying to get them to go. You I'll see just... uh, Mandukai stirs. Her eyes, lids flutter. I'm just waving my hand towards the teleporter room while being like totally thousand yard stare. Yeah, your your mind is elsewhere at the moment, but you're still able to make that. And uh, they they start moving the kids in that direction up the stairs, and they're like trying to make a game out of not stepping on the bones and stuff. And some of the kids are laughing. Most of them are crying or not doing anything as they make their way up there. I have one last gamble with my swarm, assuming I can rally any more of them from up there. It's possible. You can see the army started to move forward again. They're almost here. Since I've got all the flying ones busy with the skull, I think I want to see if I can get all the crawling ones to kind of start coming out of the ground in like the shape of gnarled hands. All right. Uh, as this is happening, they you can see some of the scouts are, fi- are starting to fire arrows tipped with flaming rags into the flying swarm, which is starting to shred the giant skull. Uh, and... Yeah, I guess let's do your will one more time. See if we can get those crawling insects uh, into the game. Yeah, you got another five there. That looks about right. The uh, crawling insects, your trapdoor spiders, your scorpions and such start converging on the army and coming out of the ground. Several of them get crushed or stomped on before they are sort of noticed coming in this large group. And uh, you can sort of see there's a bit of panic setting in amongst the army and they're sort of like pausing to take time to sort of stomp on and and crush and roll over these swarming insects like they're wearing leg protections so it's not like they're necessarily going to get poisoned by uh, scorpions but they don't want to get stung they don't want them climbing on them so they are occupied for at least you know maybe another maybe another 10 minutes here emran one more go think you can do it emran will break all his ribs for the children so uh, you sort of grit your teeth, you set your your hands onto the cable again, and you are straining again. You're like, I've got to I've got to get this up just one more time, then down one more time, and then I can stop. And then the pain will maybe eventually stop. It's the sort of idea that's that's keeping you going here. Uh, as you pull it up though, and you're going to have to take another consequence. What do you think happens to Emran's body at this point? I think that I think at this point, like maybe it's maybe it's his body tensing or it's just like the psychic weight of the elevator. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, I think that at this point, like maybe his his legs will, if not broken, then stra- like sprained, like his knees. He's actually like he's fu- he is forced down to his knees because of the psychic weight of the elevator. Okay, and what is the moderate consequence that comes with that? I think it's um like I just popped kneecaps but I don't know how to phrase that more brutally at this point. Okay. You maybe put ruined or something knees or something, and we'll we'll go from there. But there's something with your knees in that consequence, which means your legs are going to have a hard time working if you have to climb down. But you do get the elevator up to the top. One more go. I think, like, Zasta sees him kind of collapse a little bit and be like, you should get on this one. The rest of us can call. And group, these kids can get on with you. I hope you can control it from down while you're in it. 
Matt, could I control it while inside? Um, roll your notice for me. Let's see if you'd be able to figure this out or investigate, whichever is better. Two. Okay. You could put your sword through the roof of the elevator and connect it to the base of the cable, and that would give you a line into it. You could make that connection. Emran, uh, Emran, like just completely roughed up, gets to hit, gets up to um, just kind of standing, looking like he's about to fall over at this point. And uh, as the kids get on, he just he steps into the elevator, like keeping like just stretching to keep his hand on the cable. Then mm-hmm. he pulls out his sword, sticks it through the roof of the box. Okay. And uh, he just looks like as soon as it hits the bottom, he he looks like he's just gonna pass out. His entire body is taut. This ride down is rougher than the last several, uh, so it's fortunate that it's the older kids that are in it, and the and the, some of the... No, they didn't send an adult this time. They got all the kids they could on here. So the people at the top are just uh, Jasta, one or two adults left, and then the five kids who can probably make the climb. So the elevator kind of crashes into the ground, and there's dust thrown up around it. Uh, some of the kids sort of are thrown out of it as it hits the ground. And uh, Emrin, your blade sort of jerks out of where it was attached and uh, slashes through the cable, which you hear whipping back up towards the top as you fall out as well onto the ground. The strain is released, but you can feel that your body is not capable of much right now. Emrin just uh, crawls a few feet, looks up at Maeve, and uh, smiles through bloody teeth. Maeve, you're... Insects have been successfully, many of them crushed. More are coming, but the army has made it into the borehole now. They're almost at the barricade. You can hear them with your ears now, shouting and calling to each other, and the echoing sound of their boots and the creaking of wheels. I'll snap out of the trance and just try to help Emrin get to the teleporter room. Okay. Uh, Some of the other adults come back and are helping you drag Emrin while you are you're sort of still tethered to Mandukai, so it's difficult for you to help, but these adults are able to help sort of drag Emrin, leaving a bit of a trail of blood behind him, uh, up towards the teleporter room. Up at the top, Jasta, you can clearly hear the approaching army as they hit the barricade. It's time to climb.